Five movies. It's me, Jonathan Burke, with Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. We are coming from Burke Reviews Podcast to discuss our top five Samuel L. Jackson movies in honor of Kong Skull Island coming out Friday, March 10th. Um, there are a lot of actors we could have picked for this, but Samuel L. Jackson has an extensive body of work. If I'm not mistaken, it is just over 172 so exactly 172 titles listed as an actor on IMDb um, and that, that does include some small things like for video games and things like that um, but we've gone through his movies and we've selected the ones that we've seen him in and then picked our five favorite performances from Samuel L. Jackson for this week's episode of Top 5 Movies but before we get into that let's talk to the guys Corey how's it going going well well um it's supposed to snow again not happy about that <laughs> it's been chillier today uh in Florida than it's been in a while but um still not you know but, snow. No, but no snow we don't get snow <laughs> no we have a cool breeze it. and people are like oh it's cold hoodie time but um, oh yeah 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 uh, but yeah, um, I was actually, I just walked the dogs about an hour ago and I was thinking it's kind of cool outside. Um, Mike, how about you, bud? How's it going? Pretty good. It's been a busy weekend, so kind of restful, hoping for rest. Well, Mike turned 22 on Friday. Um, Sweet. It was You're his, younger than I am. That's right. I'm regressing. Yeah, it's what happens. Okay. At some point, you start to go back. Um, oh, good. But yeah, it was Mike's, Mike's birthday on March uh, 3rd. Um, so, happy belated birthday from the podcast. Thanks. 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 And, uh, you I know, should put up a link for my Amazon wish list. <laughs> there you go. We should all get presents from our listeners. Um, <laughs> now, I, uh, I've been watching a lot of movies this week. I've, I feel like I'm back on the challenge um, with my uh, choices this week. But I, I, I had a double feature and, today. That and we got to watch one together the other day. We did. We got to see Logan by uh, sheer coincidence. Um, you probably knew I was going to be there. I did not know you were going to be there. Um, and I was, I was excited. So much so that I yelled across the crowded mall. Uh, I said, Sanchez! Real loud. Um, to which he politely waved, but also it was kind of like a... So, but I was excited to see my podcast buddy in, in at a theater. <laughs> it's not that I wasn't excited. It's like, you know, yeah, there yeah. was that crowd, that crowd of two people. I didn't want to. <laughs> there were. I know. I was gonna more. say it must be super crowded. It was more than usual because of, of Logan. Um, there were quite a few people nice. at Logan um, Thursday night, which my review was posted on Friday. Um, oh, it, I need to write. I need to write. I was going to, but I was doing homework actually. Well, understandable. I I have to actually when I get done with this, I'm gonna write my review for Before I Fall, which is what I saw today, the new movie I saw today. Um, but I also rewatched Get Out, and I can't speak on how great that movie is enough. Um, if you have not seen Get Out, you should immediately. In fact, I was really surprised to see how many people were at the theater today um, to see it. 
we uh, hmm. I was with t- uh, the reason I saw it again I would have seen it again by myself but the main reason I saw it again instead of something I haven't seen um, was I, I met up with two friends today who I hadn't hung out with in a while and they hadn't seen it yet so they really wanted to see that one so we did I, I wanted to see it too I, but it just didn't work I had four essays to do so yeah well we we just made it in like normally I would have been stressed out because we were like still waiting for our food with like 10 minutes till the movie to start um was we went we had lunch first and uh if I hadn't seen it already I'd have been stressing out but I was like all right well it's not that big a deal I've seen it um I can always tell them what happens if we're late um we walked in with the last trailer though uh going off so we made it just in time but we had to you know find some seats because it was pretty packed it wasn't sold out by any means but the movie's three I think three weeks old now so and competing with Logan and uh well before I fall um and real quick on Before I Fall, um, when I saw the trailer, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's the Groundhog Day looking movie with uh, the high schoolers going through. She Something happens and she's stuck in the same day over and over again, you know, and it's Valentine's Day. Um, although that's kind of irrelevant. That's not the reason. Um, it's just a coincidence. Um, the only thing it shares with Groundhog Day is the repetitious day, um, ultimately. But I got to say, when the movie started, um, when I saw the trailer months ago, I wasn't that interested. Uh, they've rehashed the Groundhog Day thing a few times now, and I've not been overly impressed, um, with the exception of a Christmas film that I like, The Christmas Do-Over, but I don't think it's great. I just like it. Um, I, I ended up liking Edge of Tomorrow, which I was late on. Yeah, see, I keep forgetting about that one. I agree. That That is good. Um, different, completely different, other than, again, the repetitious element of the day. Um, but, yeah, that was good, actually. Um, th- this movie, though, what got my attention, the reason why I went and saw it, was it, it got a lot of buzz at Sundance, that it was actually a good movie. So I went apprehensively, and I get to the theater, and I'm the only person in the theater because I went at 11.40 this morning. Um, <laughs> but then a group of six people, uh, all high school kids and a mother, um, maybe not even high school, maybe middle school kids, uh, come into the theater. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is, gonna, this is not boding well. And then they sit directly in front of me. It's an empty theater and sit directly in front of me. And I'm just like looking like, really? Could have sat one row up from me or even two rows behind me, but no, directly in front of me. Now, it's not a view issue. The seats of this theater are great. It's a noise issue because I'm looking at a group of middle school slash high school kids going, there's no way they're going to sit quietly through this movie. And then another one other person comes in. It looked like a person my age, maybe a little older, by themselves, and they sit directly behind me. So now I'm just like, what's happening? Why empty theater, guys? You could literally sit anywhere else and you're sitting near me. Like, But they're actually fine. What was annoying were the four lead female characters in this movie at the beginning. So much so that I contemplated walking out. Because I didn't see sitting through a movie with this. Like, it felt very kind of, you know that feeling we talked about, Mike, with yoga hosers, where it didn't feel like Kevin Smith knew what high school kids were like? It felt like that. And they were just using a lot of the buzzwords, you know, calling each other bae and things like that. And it was just like, oh, man, I don't know if I can sit through this movie. And then it won me over. And I actually really liked this movie. Um, Now it's your bae. It it is now my bae. Um, (laughs) It it is that the annoyance I definitely think is intentional. Um, They are essentially archetypes. And that's, I think, the idea of the high school clique. I think that they are archetypes, not just in the film, but the characters themselves are archetypes of things they've seen in movies and TV shows. They're trying to be these people. 
And the film plays out in a very powerful way. And I actually think it's a movie that all high school kids should see. Um, I think it tackles the idea of bullying in a very interesting way. Um, and it's it's a pretty great film. I was impressed. Um, again, almost walked out. Walked out thinking, dang, they got me. Like, I, I'm impressed. I, I definitely didn't think, especially walk, sitting through the first 15 minutes or so, I did not think I would like the movie. And I ended up loving it. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, again... It, you gotta you gotta tough it out because it's it's a little I, unless I'm just getting to the point where I'm too old to look, like watch a high school movie. But again, rites of passage films among my favorite types. So I don't think that's it. I think it's you know this because I, I made a similar complaint with yoga hosers, and that's where I'm like maybe it's me. But no, it's I don't like certain types of characters. But again, um, that's the setup, and it, it it definitely changes from that point. Is it see like last year for me? I think it was what was it? It follows. Yeah. So is it? Or I think it was like two years ago, but still, I, I didn't see it. Gosh, was that two years ago? Good lord, that's nuts. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. I mean, that's that's my real concern. Is like you said, if that's how it begins, and it takes a lot for me to walk. I don't know that I've ever walked out on a film. Yeah, and I probably wouldn't have actually walked out, but I was literally considering it. Like I was like, do I need to watch this? It was. It's technically free because of the movie pass. I really wanted to see Table 19 today because um, it was. I was at the theater that had it, and it's the only theater in the area that has it. But um, I could not convince my friends to watch that one, and I, I would have had to ask you guys to delay the podcast by almost an hour if I had stayed and watched a third movie today. Um, so I opted not to, and I don't know if I'm going to make it back to Lakeland to see it, which is disappointing. Um, and they didn't have an 11 o'clock show. Or I would have saw that and then saw Before I Fall later this week. But, um, yeah, I, I do recommend uh, both movies, but Get Out first. If you haven't seen Get Out, that's the priority. Um, I would say in theaters right now, Get Out is the movie you should be watching before anything else. And then probably Logan. Um, but Before I Fall is in that is on that list um, to, to definitely give it a chance. It's, it's a solid movie, and it's pretty powerful. I kind of wish I'd been able to take my daughter to see that one. Um, because I, it, again, I think it, it definitely is going to connect with that age group, but Corey, have you seen anything aside from, um, the movie we did our movie club podcast on? I watched one today in preparation for our next movie club. Oh. I was going to see Logan today, but I couldn't bring myself to get out of the house. So you already watched so... our movie club movie? I did. Oh, well don't, we can't talk about that because we will talk about I that know. next week. Um, I'm not going to, that's it though. What was it? Uh, we're what doing the club movie. Uh, District Nine this week. Uh, oh, that wasn't bad. I haven't. But seen you can't it. talk about it. So yeah, um, I haven't seen it. It's one that um, it's of the Nil Blancamp Blancamp Camp Camp. I don't know how to say his name. Um, it's he did Chappie, right? He did Chappie and Elysium, which are both. Uh, he's respectively fallen. He started off real strong with yeah. District Nine, and then uh, Elysium had had potential, I think, mainly because of Matt Damon. But that movie's been thoroughly disregarded, and then Chappie is an atrocity um from what i've seen of that's why i stayed away from that one yeah and how many space movies is matt damon gonna be in matt all damon in space he's in quite a few like um pigs in space and they always go to matt save damon. him they gotta rescue matt damon <sighs> saving private ryan too he's um, so selfish Jeez. that's why jimmy kimmel jimmy kimmel hates him guys all right 
Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it, I finally it's, finished it's uh, Sicario this morning. Ooh, I like oh. Sicario. Yeah, I had to watch it in pieces, so I need to watch it all together now because that... now I'm a, now I'm an Emily Blunt fan. So yeah, that was intense. It, it was, and Del Toro was great in that too. Um, Wasn't he in always, traffic? Always. Yes, and he also he... played Pablo Escobar in another. So drugs, guys. <laughs> drugs are bad. I'm <laughs> Could you? I'm Pretty sure that's. You do know. Um, Oh, sorry, Corey. Uh, Sicario is directed by um, Denis Villeneuve. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I need to see Prisoners and um, there's one other movie, Enemy, I think is what it's called, uh, that he has done. Those are the only two I haven't seen of his um, and I need to check them out. I've heard I'll mixed things about well, both sometime. of them, but I like him enough to give him a chance. Um, all right. Well, Corey, you got a message for our listeners? Yes. Um, you can check out our list at BurkReviews.com first if you don't want us to spoil these movies for you. Um, a lot of them will probably be a little older, but... This is your spoiler warning. Speak for yourself. But um, on a side note, listeners, this is uh, we're going to be going through our top five list. So our topic, again, is Samuel L. Jackson movies in honor of his new film, uh, Kong Skull Island, coming out March 10th. Um, not a sponsor of the show, but if they'd like to throw us some money, thank you. Um, with that in mind, we have all assembled our top five list, and we have not shared them with each other. So this is our going through and saying what our favorites are. Um, we're doing something different this week. When one of us has a movie that someone else has on their list, we're going to wait till it's on the highest number before we discuss it as a, um, a group. So, for example, if number five for Corey, who's going to go first this week, is the same as my number one, we won't talk about it until we get to the number one for me. Um, it will reveal my... It, we won't say when it is. We'll just say that's on my list later, and you'll see when when we get to it. And that's when we'll all discuss. Uh, that way, our discussions are a little bit um, tighter. And with this particular podcast, it is very likely, this episode, I should say, is very likely that we're going to have some overlap. Because while Samuel L. Jackson has done 172 different films, I, I think um, our personalities here, I think we're going to have a lot of the same movies on our list. It's just going to depend on what order they are. Um, so, go ahead, Mike. Can, can, can we do how many uh, the odds on how many of these you haven't seen of mine? Oh, um, hmm, Sam Jackson. I'm going to guess gonna go, quite a few. Oh, uh, go ahead. I'm going to say three of yours I've not seen. Three out of five. I'm going to say two. Ooh, Corey two went low. Five. See, that's the ones I'm thinking. I'm thinking two of these you may not have seen. I have a feeling it's going to be Not you personally, but both of you. All right. Well, let's find out. Uh, Corey, you're going to start us off this week, and then we'll go to me, and then we'll go to Mike. Um, what's your number five Samuel L. Jackson movie? I feel like such a loser with this one. Um, I actually did have a hard time with this list because some of his movies I haven't seen in a while, so I haven't been able to, I wouldn't be able to speak to them. So, number five is from last year's Mrs. Peregrine's um, Home for Peculiar Children. He plays Mr. Barron. He's a shapeshifter who is actually um, hunting down peculiars so that he and his band of baddies can eat their eyeballs so they can look more human again. Um, and we've kind of discussed this before that it was a very, still very Samuel L. Jackson. He still made it very Samuel L. Jackson, I guess. Despite it um, being um, PG-13, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh. Which, because he, he's notorious for his uh, his cursing. You know, he's good at it. I, I appreciate that about him. difficult that was for him. He's like, oh, we wanted to throw. I wonder if there's some outtakes where he just goes full Tarantino dialogue with it. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> have to bring it down from an R. Um, I thought it was fun. I can't really remember if I was expecting. Oh, you cut out there. You ex- what? Oh, I said I can't remember if I was expecting him to be in this movie. Ah. I feel like uh, I, I wasn't. I wouldn't expect him in that movie. Right? I, I have to watch it. I know that he will be. I don't mean this like in a demeaning way, but he takes on a lot of parts that I think that not a lot of other actors could get away with necessarily playing mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're not always and i don't think that he does them badly but i just i don't even know how to say it without saying without being sound belittling but he takes on a lot of stuff and i don't think that that affects his stature in the Mm. acting community i guess no i i think that's a valid statement um like snakes on a plane or uh we i guess i shouldn't list movies because we might actually have them on our list but um yeah he does some parts that are not as high quality as a lot of his other films which is interesting because it does not seem to hurt his career like he'll because i remember when snakes came on a plane came out i was thinking oh samuel jackson's done and he is far from done he has still done a lot of movies since then and um and they do range in quality but um miss peregrine's is an interesting one uh he is playing a villain um he's very cartoonish um and his teeth are creepy. He's got like very pointed yeah. Christopher Walken and Sleepy Hollow type teeth. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it's a performance that's for sure. Um, I've heard some criticisms about that particular performance um, being a little like he phoned it in, kind of like it was not his, not really into the character like he could have been. Mm. Um, but that's a that's opinion. That doesn't mean anything. So uh, he definitely, uh, he's that's definitely just in it. like your opinion, man. <laughs> well, it's not my opinion. It's someone's opinion. But that's just like someone's opinion, man. Word. <laughs> uh, and so, Mike, you haven't seen it yet. Nope. I think we own it. I just haven't seen it. I think my kids have seen it like three times. Yeah, I thought you. I and remember wife, you mentioning. I don't know. I just. Did, I. I, I want to see X Men the way they really are. Oh, uh, I mean, it's. A, <laughs> I gotta say, it was. It was a pretty great film. Um, no, I, I, I'm just teasing because I've heard it's great. Especially for uh, Tim Burton, though, because Tim Burton has been on a downward slide. Um, in most people's eyes for a while now and uh, it's it's really good so definitely worth checking out I'm not saying to check it out solely for Sam Jackson but Eva Green is uh, oh, fantastic her. though she's great in that that's it I'm just going to disconnect and I'm going to fire up Amazon bye alright see you yeah. Mike um, he'll be back actually I probably could it would just be with the captions and I couldn't really watch it so yeah you'd be distracted um, either that or I'd be like Mike Mike come on alright um all right, so Corey's number five, and my number five is a fairly recent film as well, actually. Uh, from 2014, it's Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays Valentine. Um, <laughs> is this on your list, Mike? It is not. Okay. I'll talk about it uh, Good. after you talk about it. Um, I've only seen Kingsman once, but I really liked it, and uh, I was surprised at what I got. Um, actually, the whole movie's crazy. It, it's, um, it's based on a graphic novel. And I'm trying to pull up all the information here. Um, they are in the process of making a sequel, although I don't think Samuel Jackson can show up in it, as we gave you spoiler warnings be, be forewarned. But um, it is an action uh, movie for sure, first and foremost. And um, oh, where is it when I need it? There it is. Um, he plays the villain. He has this funny lisp. Um, he's a billionaire, like uh, Bill Gates type of, or more like Mark Zuckerberg type of character. Um, and he's got plans to 
basically cleanse the earth of everybody and start over Noah's Ark style um, if I remember correctly and again I've only watched this once but he is uh, great um, alongside Colin Firth and Terry uh, Taron Egerton, um, he's he's really a great villain in this movie. He's super memorable, and um, the film the film is shocking. There's there's some dirty dirty jokes in this movie. Yeah, but, but it's it's very entertaining, and it's definitely uh, worth checking out. Well, that's that's why I laugh because it was one of those my wife I traumatized my daughter with. They, oh, she man. had no idea what she was getting in for. She's like, oh, Colin Firth, this will be a cute movie. And they watched it together. And, you know, there's the slicing of a person right at the beginning. Yeah. With the blade legs. Yep. Um, and I love when you get to the end, the way they take care, you know, everybody's head explosions. Yeah. Uh, the way they do it was, you know, I can't imagine it not being done that way. That was just, and the jokes, just the stuff they come up with. And I mean, it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Just know what you're getting into. Read, read the, the kids in mind thing before you. Jump yeah. In. Definitely not a family watch. Um, uh, no, and um, I don't know what my wife is thinking. I still haven't let her <laughs> forget about that. Well, it's called yeah. Firth. Um, yeah, that movie, I watched it and was very shocked. Um, the last joke in particular is a anal <laughs> joke, and it is, it's pretty blatant. Um, yeah, I was surprised that they went that way. Uh, but, Corey, you've seen this too, huh? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. It was a fun watch. Really? I would not have thought this as a theater movie for you. Uh, what what sent you to the theater for this? Um, <laughs> no. Um, at this point, I had a lot of free time, and I was going to see every movie I could, you know, in the theater, because ah. I just love it so much. But I think that Bill was actually interested in this one, so that's why we went to see it, because he doesn't, he's not generally the one that wants to go see movies, so anytime he wants to, I kind of jump at that. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, cause this one I slept on, I didn't see it till it was on home video. Um, and even then it was a few months after it came out that I finally got, to, got around to watching it and was really surprised and, uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm, I'm looking forward to the sequel. I hope it's as entertaining as the first one is. I hope so also. How large is the graphic novel library? Cause that would be, I don't know. Oh, that's a that's, good point. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, honestly, I, I hadn't even heard of this graphic novel. Um, had I known when it was coming out that it was based on a book, I probably would have, or based on a comic book, I probably would have gone to watch it, as I tend to, to watch most of those films, although there's definitely tons that I don't care for. I'm not a big fan of Red, um, even though I wanted um, to be. Uh, Red was the John Malkovich, Bruce Willis. What um, I'm seeing so far is six of them, uh, but I don't know how big they are. They're not very old either, like no, 2012, not. 2013. Yeah, Mark Strong's also in the film, and uh, Sophia Butella, who was also in Star Trek Beyond last year. Um, she plays the gazelle character, oh. and she's the uh, alien that works with Simon Pegg Scotty in Star Trek Beyond. So she's pretty great, um, the two movies I've seen her in. But all right, that was my number five. Uh, Mike, what do you got for number five Samuel L. Jackson movie? All right, well, I have to say my um, I had a strong temptation to populate this list with just as many Tarantino films as I could. Uh-huh. And so I really was trying, you know, I, I, I thought, well, let me go to open the window 
to the larger span of his career as I could. And as much as I wanted to include, let's say, because his breakthrough role in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, which I have to admit, I didn't watch. I haven't watched it. So I'll give myself a strike for that. I'll give you the strike because I have watched it. So (laughs) So there you go. I mean, I should have watched this Spike, that Spike Lee film. I, I know of it. I've watched bits and pieces. I've watched the part that Samuel L. Jackson is in. And oh, he's in a lot of parts. Full, he, uh, he's in several parts, actually, as he plays. Um, oh, well, okay. Then I'm sorry. Much just, Mis- see, I didn't realize how big his role is. Mr. Senor Love Daddy. He is a DJ, but he, he is a through line throughout the film. They keep coming back to him. Um, he's kind of he's not a narrator in the nor- traditional sense, but he is um, looking his radio booth is looking outside of this into the street this was an honorable mention for me um and so he's kind of commenting on the radio about what's happening on the on the streets so in a way he's narrating the film because the film is essentially focused around what's happening in the streets and um but like they deliver him uh food at one point so like he's he's recurring element of the film he's not the main character by any means but he's more than just the one scene but i know I can guess which scene you've seen because he does have like an opening kind of monologue element. Um, that's probably what you've witnessed. But sorry, go ahead. See, I'll have to, I'll have to watch it sometime. Um, so my pick, my number five pick, is from 1995. It's a remake of a 1947 film of the same name, Kiss of Death. He is not one of the main characters. He is definitely a supporting character. He plays uh, Detective Calvin Hart, which is different. We're used to, I am used, you know, to him playing the cr- a criminal heavy. And then in this case, he's a, a detective that's a heavy. Uh, the the main character is played by David Caruso, who mm. I, I remember this in the theater. I remember going to this. This is weird. Uh, but the antagonist, to see the beefed up Nicolas Cage, he, his name, his character's name is Little Junior. And it's kind of like the running oxymoron joke, kind of, in a sense. It's not really a joking film film it's very serious um jackson's character basically has a run-in with david crusoe near the beginning and survives uh almost fatal a near fatal gunshot wound someone holds up their hand and gets shot through their hand and it mm. kind of ricochets into his face and the thing is it leaves him with a continually tearing his, his eye tears the whole way through and he's got kind of the makeup and scar and it's a different way to see him because he's got that menacing presence, but then you see him kind of tear and it's not, it's an involuntary, I don't know how they would do it. Um, and it's something he holds against David Caruso's character. He's a petty thief who's trying to be clean and he gets called back for one last job. And as it turns out, he gets caught. And so they're trying to use him as a way to rope in the big fish because he's really the little fish. And he probably would not have turned on Little Junior, which is Nicolas Cage's character. Um, but what ends up happening, Samuel L. Jackson's character just jumps on and he uses um, the death of David Caruso's um, wife and as kind of leverage um, to get the big fish, Little Junior. Um, it I don't know that it'll pop up on a lot of people's... I don't even know what the... What the um, Metacritic score or what that and whatnot. It it just it's a different role for him, and not one that any not as many people may have seen him in. I have not seen this one. Um, Same. So here's one. Here's one. <laughs> Let's see if we're gonna have, who's gonna be right. Two or three. Um, yeah, that's um, 
I, I kind of did the same thing um, as you said for like the motivation for picking this, um, but not. I mean, Kingsman. I, I like distinctively remember his performance in Kingsman, so that was why I made my list too. So um, interesting though. Uh, um, what year did you say this one was? Ninety five. Okay, so not it's not that old because he's been his cr- credits go back to the seventies. Um, Seventy two, I think it's. A- yeah. So that I mean, it's crazy when you look at like when you look at Sam Jackson and then find out that he's sixty. Years old, um, he does not look 68 years old. <laughs> no, no, I mean, certain movies, sure, but not like I mean, you look at Django, he looks super Man. old, but um, but then like look at Nick Fury, and it's like, no, that man's not 68 years old, no way. So, all right, um, Corey, uh, what is your number four Sam Jackson movie? All right, um, I had to choose 2004's The Incredibles, he plays Lucius Best, um, also Frozone. I'm sure you guys have seen The Incredibles, but um, it's about superheroes who have to live in secret now because they've been sued and regular humans are against them. And it's really hard for them not to do what they their instincts like push them to want to do. Um, and I just think it, that it's really funny that he and Mr. Incredible um, lie to their wives so they can go out and fight crime. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just... This is actually another movie I went to see because of Bill. Um, Mm. I can't believe that it was from 2004. We are fans of Pixar movies. And they have the second one coming out sometime next year, I believe. And I think that Samuel L. Jackson might be in it again. He is on Um, the... uh, It's on his credits. Um, is, oh, the Incredibles okay. 2 2018 um, just listed as Frozone this time, not as uh, Lucius Best. So oh. no alter ego, maybe? I don't know. Maybe they aren't hiding anymore. They are just going to be He's themselves. Prote- protecting his family. Ooh, maybe. Um, Yeah. That's my number four. It, it, I didn't put it on my list, but it is an honorable mention. Um, I am a fan of that movie. I haven't seen it in a few years, um, but it's definitely one I like. It's one of, I usually list it as one of my favorite Pixar films, and um, it's definitely one I'm the most anticipating the sequel. Um, I'd like to see a true superhero film because they, you know, a part of it is more of the human drama of them trying, you know, wanting to be able to use their gifts but being afraid to out of you know the the world they're living in so i'd like to see how it plays if it's a straight up superhero film um where they are able to use their powers and whatnot the whole movie without any concerns for repercussions and whatnot so um i'm kind of surprised because it's been so long since the first one has come out i know that they've been they've been talking about it for a few years mm -hmm. um but that's a bit of time between a sequel it is. Um, I, I think it's about the same, though, for Finding Dory and Finding Nemo. I think oh, it's almost the same okay. amount of years. I never saw Finding... I never saw the full movie of Finding Nemo, guys. Really? I figured, it's you know. The title. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it is a Pixar movie. Hey, man, they're not afraid well, of killing characters. It could have gone I, really... Um, his, his mom died. Yeah. Essentially, Pixar's philosophy is if you are a female character, you are expendable um, in their universe as, you know, we lost his mother. We lost Nemo's mother. We lost uh, in Up, we lose the wife. Um, You know, I mean, who knows? If Eva had been taken out, I would have been so upset. Mm, She kind of is, though, right? Like, not not entirely, but Eva from WALL-E. Oh, I love Wally. I know that John does not. 
I need to rewatch Wally. I watched Wally and did I definitely didn't give it a hundred percent of my attention, and because it is essentially a silent film, that doesn't work. Um, so I I would even venture to say you could argue I've never watched Wally fairly. Um, at the very least, I mean, I looked at it. I would look over, and I just I wasn't pulled in. Um, and I've not been motivated to go back to it because of that. But I've watched some clips. Um, in recently, actually, uh, doing some research and stuff, where, you know, it made me rethink my uh my initial stance of not you know that it, I didn't like it versus I didn't give it a fair chance. But I do like the Incredibles. Um, Mike, you a fan of the Incredibles? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, well, I didn't want to like it because I was like, oh, it's so derivative. But honestly, it's really a different take. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the Fantastic Four film that we should have gotten. That is a, a really great point, man. It is totally. <laughs> It is essentially what Fantastic Four should have been. Um, granted, it's not quite the same family dynamic, but it is the same family-friendly. Some general idea and the you know the, the conflicts that they have to go through. And even Stan Lee himself will say Fantastic Four as a property is the cheesiest of them all. And this, I wouldn't say that of The Incredibles. No. But it's not wholly serious, and it just... just just Pixar has this way, and now that they are associated, I wonder if maybe, well, no, because um, Fantastic Four's, well, who's got the rights? Fox. Fox. But you know what? Yeah. Um, what the movie does really well, and I do, I love Sam Jackson's character in that, just because that's really what our topic is today. Right. But um, uh, the film succeeds in doing an origin story in a way that doesn't feel like an origin story. Because mm-hmm. it's not an origin of how they got their powers. It's an origin of how they get to become who they are, which is every movie, essentially. Is a, uh, not every movie, but a lot of films are focused on a character trying to find themselves. And that is what Incredibles is about. You know, Mr. Incredible was Mr. Incredible when we joined the film. It's taken away from him, and now he doesn't know who he is anymore. And the journey lends, you know, lends itself not only does he not know who he is, but his son and daughter who have powers can't use them and so they they're always trying to hide and limit themselves so that they can be safe in this world that doesn't doesn't appreciate the people with powers so there's a lot of really great story being built and by the end of the film we get to see them don their uniforms and that's really where the superhero story starts and that's what i'm hoping we get with the second film um frozone though is uh, i love that power i I was always a fan of iceman in the x-men universe (laughs) um and so frozone having similar powers um i i was uh, immediately drawn to that character and sam jackson's uh not in it enough, mind you, for me, but he's he does great with the part when he's there. So, well, you bring up the facts that they have to don their uniforms, and he's he does what I feel I've done before, where I'm looking for something of, of mine, and he's looking for his costume. Yeah, yes, <laughs> that whole bit is so good. That bit is hilarious. Um, all right, well, my number four is a Tarantino movie um, from 1997 called Jackie Brown. And I'm pausing to see if any of you have that on your list. I have it. I almost made my list. I have it on honorable mention. Oh, okay. Uh, And Corey, no? I haven't seen this in a really long time, so it is not. It was one of the last Tarantino films on my list um, that I had not seen. And I watched it last year. And I was really blown away with his character, um, Ordell Robbie. Um, He is the drug dealer in the movie. He's a bad guy. Um, He has just, there's a hundred amazing scenes with him in it. But I think my favorite one is when he goes and gets Chris Tucker. And he bailed Chris Tucker out of jail, and, and Chris Tucker owes him um, 
for that. And so he tells Chris Tucker he needs to come, he needs him to ride with him uh, to go pick up this drug deal in, thing or whatever. And he, yeah, he has to get in the trunk, trunk. In the trunk. And there's a funny conversation between the two of them. With Chris Tucker, I'm not getting in the trunk. And um, I, I love that sequence. And then how that scene plays out. Once uh, he does convince him to get in the trunk, he drives very very sh- short distance and goes gets out of the car, walks to the trunk, opens the trunk, and shoots Chris Tucker in the face. Um, it, it is brutal. It was shocking, and it really sets the tone for how vicious this character is. Um, and that's going to be kind of a recurring element throughout the film. Um, there's an iconic scene where he's uh, sitting with Robert De Niro, um, which I have to say, I think Robert De Niro kind of phoned in his performance for Tarantino. Um, it, it it is not. He is doing as little as possible throughout the film. Um, yeah. And it's kind of disappointing because De Niro can be amazing. And it's not to say he does nothing, but he really doesn't emote ever in this movie. Um, even some of his line reads feel like a guy trying to improv. Um, but one of the first scenes... Which, he, which, he's, which he's not known for, I don't believe. And I would not think so. Um, like, because there's a part... He seems like uh, someone that's very uh, rehearsed and... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I completely okay. agree. No, I completely agree. Um, but the scene that uh, is Sam Jackson sitting on a couch with De Niro, um, mm. showing him this video uh, with these bikini-clad women uh, using different guns and him just going on and on about the guns, and it's great. Um, and his performance, Sam Jackson's performance in this movie is phenomenal. Um, if Jackie Brown was one that I didn't think I was going to really be into and ended up loving, um, mainly because of Sam Jackson, although... Pam Greer is fantastic in the movie as well. So not to to not give her credit. She is the title character. But Sam Jackson really shined um, in this movie, as he does with, I think, all of Tarantino's films. But we'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, later on in our list. But that is my number four, uh, Ordell Robbie, Jackie Brown. It's a solid pick. I really like uh, I that he Tarantino went with something that wasn't his own property, which I, I don't know how difficult that is for him to do because <laughs> that's um, uh, Elmore Leonard. And I thought I had the novel. I want to say it's Rum Punch. It is. That it's taken correct. from. You are completely correct. Because um, uh, I just picked that up and I think I picked up uh, Get Shorty and Elmore Leonard. I don't know. I am not familiar with either. I say it is. There's a few. Um, 52 Pickup is an old one with Roy Scheider. Schneider? Scheider? Um, and there's a few that have been adapted, but I feel that um, Jackie Brown was just right on, and it gets the feel of that Elmore Leonard kind of world. Hmm. And um, Pam Greer, Robert Forster. That's the other thing is Tarantino has this way. He did it with Travolta. Uh, Forster kind of had, a, and, and he was excellent. He was excellent on Malton on movies. Oh, just uh, hear um, Robert Forster talk about it. And I need to dig up any podcast with Samuel L. Jackson um, because uh, I. You know, we between you and I, I'm sure we listen to all sorts of, yeah, or all three of us listen to all sorts of stuff. I've got, I've got more of a commute now than I had before, and so I can beyond you know Hollywood Babylon and just the, the material to work with that kind of villain. He, the that's another thing that needs to the the many hairstyles of Samuel L. Jackson. No joke, the goatee alone <laughs> of that character because he has a little braided goatee hanging off his chin. <laughs> And that Kangol, classic Kangol. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Mike, what is your number four? 
Well, hold on to your butts. I actually almost forgot. I kind of did, in a, in a way, forget that Samuel L. Jackson was the chief engineer on Jurassic Park. Ah. So 1993, again, his character wasn't one of the leads, he, but he held his own against Richard Attenborough, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern. I mean, it was a shame, his final fate. It was definitely more unfortunate. Uh, it would have been something to see his character, you know, kind of recur in, in subsequent Jurassic Park films, but it wasn't to be. Although, considering what the second one was like, it may have been for the best. Um, <laughs> uh, hands off, <laughs> literally, easily one of my favorite characters oh, of God. his. Just, yeah, because you know what ends up happening to him. Um, and I don't know. I, I, that he had to have Nedry, which I guess was a different part of the system. I'm like, eh. But I didn't mind what happened to Nedry's character. I nope. really felt for... What's that? Uh, no, nobody cares what, uh, what happens to Nedry's character, that jerk. What yeah, he jerk? was. I mean... <sighs> anyway. Uh, but Ray Arnold from Jurassic Park 1993. Yeah, um, that's one of my honorable mentions. Um, I, I love that character. He's uh, the cigarette hanging out of his mouth the whole film. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, how he reacts to Nedry's security. Uh, you know, uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh. Um, What's the magic word? Please. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's great in it. Um, definitely remember uh, a memorable character that I honestly had forgotten um, who it was. Like, I remembered the character, and then when I rewatched Jurassic Park a few years back, um, I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize it was Sam Jackson. Because um, that is one of his earlier films that I saw, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a kid. Because um, a lot of his films were not meant for children. So one of the definitely earliest ones that I saw. Um, but yeah, uh, good pick for sure. Good pick. I was not thinking about that one. Oh really? Yeah, that was on. It definitely made my list. Um, because again, I love Jurassic Park. It's in my top ten movies of all time. Um, almost always. So, um, all right. Well, Corey, uh, what do you got for number three? Uh, I've talked about this movie before. Um, so 2015. Um, when he plays Major Marquise, Marquise Warren in The Hateful Eight. Well, hold on. We're going to need to talk about this later. Later. Actually, okay. no, I'm wrong. It's my number three also. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> How about you, Mike? I, I, w- I will say he, that, as, again, I wanted to have Tarantino films. It did not show up in my honorable mentions or my list. Oh, so it's not on your it's list. It's a great character. Oh, it's a great character. I just didn't pick it because I wanted a couple other different ones. Well, great. Corey, we'll go ahead and, and you go first and then I'll follow up with my thoughts. Um, I will forever be jealous that I did not get to see this as the Roadshow edition in theaters. Um, I know you don't have to talk about it. I'm already <laughs> jealous. Um, I forget how long this movie is, um, but it's so great. And in the theaters, it definitely did not feel that long. Oh, excuse me. I have to cough. Oh, I didn't feel Sorry. it was that long, even having to watch it via the way I watched it. Cause you know, it was definitely not kid friendly. So nope. I had it on the laptop. Oh. So Yeah, in the theater I was just like totally engrossed and then I rented it with a friend and it was kinda like you did not tell me this movie was like a million hours long and I still didn't quite realize it, but you know, um I just really enjoyed this movie a lot. I didn't really know what even though it's a Quentin Tarantino, I can't remember what movie I had seen before that, what he had put out before that. Django. Django. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. okay. And was that in 2014? No. I don't think it was 14, but it was like 2013, 2012, something like that. 
um oh, i'm looking because um, it's also on uh sam jackson's list yeah um i love go ahead 2012 is was it yeah she's nice um i just loved everything about this movie i loved all of the actors in it but i especially um i liked his character and that he was such a focal point um and all the kind of i don't want to say adversary adversity but all the other people he had to come in contact with and having to carry that um, letter from President Lincoln to kind of give himself, I don't know, kind of like to give them, him rank so the people didn't mm-hmm. mess with him as much, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, that, you know, he's, it's the film set um, after the Civil War, but it's still, there's obviously a lot of racial tension. Um, so the Lincoln letter that he carries is essentially like a, a little bit of a force field. It, it makes people hesitate messing with somebody who is um, close with the president. And I, I love uh, the character name is Marquise, um, Major Marquise Warren. Um, his interactions with Walter Goggins and Kurt Russell in the film are amazing. Uh, he tells a very horrifically vis- visual story to anger a uh, a, a <laughs> rebel soldier. Um, it, the film is full of great dialogue moments, and he gets a lot of them. Um, I mean, it, the film is very reminiscent of Reservoir Dogs in that it is predominantly set in one room and features 90% talking and some flashbacks and uh, less flashbacks in, in this film than in Reservoir Dogs, actually. But um, he he owns this movie. When he is speaking, it is his movie, and I, I will never forget his performance. I've only watched the film once on Christmas Eve in 2015 um for the road show and it's stuck with me it's one i i plan to rewatch but every time i go to rewatch it i remember that it's three hours long and i i'm like i don't have three it is, hours it is a commitment it's harder to commit to that at home than in the theater it is it just is there are too many things to like distract you at home so i completely agree with that but i have watched uh clips from it um because it is uh, there's so many moments that i really like um it's an, granted like the people pretty much everyone in the film the, the film are awful characters but that's tarantino style uh generally speaking he works with anti-heroes so even the p- people that you're rooting for are not necessarily good people um but i thoroughly enjoy the film in particular sam jackson's performance when i like um my you mentioned the kind of connection to reservoir dogs i like the connection to the thing, the Ennio Morricone music, the idea that um, that tension between people, who, who do we know to, uh, who to, you know, who to trust, trust, and yeah. there's no there's no blood test they can have, as in the thing, where they figure that out, and, they're, you know, they're all trapped with one another, and it's snowing very, outside. Yeah, and they're out in this... It's very reminiscent. And I think he even mentioned it, Tarantino even mentioned it in passing, that it was uh, kind of... And we just had this conversation, the auteur versus uh, the you know, what he does. Yeah, the pastiche style that he mm-hmm. likes to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it should have been on my list. Uh, I went with... You'll see the other couple. Yep. Um, but I, I... And I even should have probably been on my honorable mention because it is... He does own that film. It's... Yeah. All right. Well, that's our number three. Corey and mine, we both have The Hateful Eight, uh, Major Marquise Warren for our number three. So, Mike, what is your number three? All right. Well, mine is from 2010. It was Little Scene. It's a sweating bullets thriller and very controversial is just that's not quite sufficient for it. Uh, It's when it was released. 
I think it's what kept it. And if it disqualifies it from being on my list, so be it, um, it because of the subject matter. It's uh, from 2010 called Unthinkable. And I think because it was so controversial, they threw it to direct to video, hmm. um, which is not quite the criteria. But he plays, and again, thinking about what we just talked about, how he just owns this. This is his film. It is about, uh, he plays a character called Henry Harold Humphreys, or they just uh, shorten it, truncate it to H, who is a black ops officer that gets brought in when information is needed from people that don't necessarily want to share it. In this scenario, in the, the film, um, it's a terrorist that has taken enough nuclear material, because nuclear stuff is bad, um, to create three devices where they do not know where they're at, that, you know, that will basically take out the city that they're in. Um, Carrie Ann Moss plays an FBI agent. Uh, Martin Sheen is also in it. I've forgotten his character. I mean, it, it, what it basically gets you into is to what do the ends justify the means? It's a, and I've watched this at least twice, and it was not easy watching it. And I happened to catch it accidentally. I think it was on MGM HD channel, which I don't remember how we got that, but it's on there. Um, even after watching it more than once, it's not an easy scenario to answer. Um, they get the number of possible locations down to three because they figure how much material has been taken and what we were, how much, uh, as far as the mass would you know would require to create a device. But that's it. There's nothing more specific beyond that known. Um, Carrie Ann Moss plays the agent who's kind of like the good cop. And when they bring Samuel L. Jackson's character, it, I mean, he starts escalating increasingly uh, because the subject is very adamant and reticent in his he doesn't want to share he's not going to say he's committed to his cause and as time goes on he eventually leads to the unthinkable uh, that happens in the movie title or that's you know we get the movie title um, the version I saw was there's more than one um, I saw an extended version that uh, has a darker outcome beyond what was already shown and um still even with i think that even adds more of a punch to it at the end um it's one that not a whole lot of people have seen but he is think of him at his most brutal and that's what he does the cast is compelling because it's um you know carrie moss is trinity in uh, mm -hmm. the matrix and then michael sheen i have become a fan of um mainly because of his time on douglas movies as i am a big fan of that podcast and uh, he shows up on there quite a bit. Um, I mean, considering that the dude's famous, like he's uh, Lucian in the um, Underworld movies, and um, he is also on uh, Masters of Sex, I think, is a HBO or Showtime star is one of those TV shows. Um, and I've not watched that, but that's just I'm trying to list things people may know. Uh, Michael Sheen from but I, I like him quite a bit he was in uh, Nocturnal Animals but super small part um, mm. like really small part like one scene but um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued so it, it went straight to DVD uh, and you think because of the brutality of the film I think they had difficulty finding I mean I, with the cast and I mean you don't see Samuel L. Jackson films typically do I mean Snake is, Snakes in a Plane made it to theatrical release so true yeah I'm trying to think why yeah. else um, let's see 2010 we're in the midst of the war on terror um, and so I wonder if theaters were really hesitant 
to show this because of maybe any possible repercussions. Maybe. Um, it's it's tough to watch. It's not easy. Um, to, it, what he ends up doing at one point, I just. <sighs> But he get he ends up getting the answers. Is that the problem is in the extended version? I mean, I'll just outright spoil it if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so in essence, they think okay, he had enough for three devices. But then, uh, as they're celebrating uh, the last, oh, they got it, they got it diffused within seconds of it detonating. It the camera cuts to another device, an additional device that was right around the corner from where they were. Oh wow! And it detonates. Holy crap. And that's the end. Wow. So even regardless of, you know, the methods gotten to use to get the, the information, he still did not, you know, disclose fully share. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. It's, um, uh, it, it's not for everyone. It just stuck out to me because it's definitely a, a Samuel L. Jackson vehicle. Awesome. All right. Uh, Corey, that's also, that's number two for both of us. I think that we didn't see, right? <laughs> Yes. So you got two more, Mike, to, to hopefully be I'm getting three. nervous. Um, <laughs> Corey, what's your number two? Okay. My number two is from another movie that I recently spoke about. It's, I believe, 2000's Unbreakable. He plays... Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter. This is also... That's my number two, too. It's, all, <laughs> number two too. it's also is my it? number two. It's also my number two. <laughs> It's, it's the okay. un section. It's my un section. Unthinkable and unbreakable. Bam. I feel like do that on purpose. <laughs> Our listeners should send us prizes. Yeah, um, I think this is the first time this has happened on the podcast where all three of us have a movie at the same number. In the same. What are the odds? <laughs> and then I mean, it's like John and I two in a row. Yeah, um, two in a, I'm wondering oh. if our number ones are going to be the same. I'm actually curious. Um, I think. I think I, I'm willing to bet they are. So um, betting. Go ahead, Corey. You go first, and then I'll go. Then Mike. Okay. Um, I recently rewatched this. Um, because I saw Split. Time out. Hold on. Hold on. If you haven't seen M. Night Shyamalan Split, we're probably going to spoil that, too, because it's related. And I've already spoiled it by saying that. So too bad. Corey, go ahead. It's it's an M. Night Shyamalan. What a twist. Twist. Um, so I hadn't seen Unbreakable in quite a while, um, a really long time. I want to say like 10 years. Um, but after watching Split, I went back and rewatched it and I, um, had forgotten so many details in the movie. Um, gosh. And he is a comic book arts collector terrorist. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no other way to say that. Um, and I liked seeing he and Bruce Willis, Willis together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like M. Night Shyamalan. There were some times that I thought we needed to break up. But, um, you, guys you know. Dating? You guys are dating? Yeah, you have no idea. Don't tell my she husband. He has a busy life. Um, yeah. Does, um, does he listen to the podcast? Because if he does. No, he doesn't so... actually. So, um, <laughs> I don't feel like I have much else to say to this. But um, I think that Mr. Glass is, I'm not, I, is, a good character trying to stay away from the word interesting um multifaceted and definitely not what i was expecting the first time i watched the movie and i had forgotten a bit of the details in that um with from what not watching it in such a long time so it was nice to re- revisit that well the my one of my favorite parts about the character is he is not a clear villain through 90 percent of the movie um you don't 
think of him as a bad guy. You think of him as like mm-hmm. a Yoda character who is mm-hmm. reaching out to someone he believes <laughs> is force sensitive. And uh, you sorry, know, I'm just imagining Mr. Glass as in a um, backpack riding beyond <laughs> Bruce, Willis. Bruce Willis's back. <laughs> if, if you're a listener and you have art skills, we want a drawing sent to us as quick as possible of Mr. And Glass on David. David's sorry, back. Say, say again, again, please. Yes. Um, I I absolutely loved Unbreakable from the first time I saw it. It still is great. I showed it to not one of my classes, but we had like a uh, lab day. So it was just some of my students, and I showed it to them. Um, and then I didn't tell them why I was showing it to them, but I, I just pointed out that it was the same director from the new movie Split and encouraged them to see Split. And I've had a couple who went and saw Split and are like, oh, man, I couldn't believe that at the end. I'm like, yeah, right, it's great. And they're like, is that why you showed it? I'm like, yeah, that's why I showed it. I want people to get the connection at the end of the movie. Um, but his his performance is so different from most of his other movies because it's, it's very quiet throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets... Very understated. Yeah, it's very... But yet crazy like his costumes like the purple and um because he's he's called mr glass because his bones uh, are extremely brittle i forget i can't remember the name of the disease he has um i'm pretty sure it's fictional but um essentially mm-hmm. it's an actual disease oh it, i believe it, well the, the osteo something which is a bone disease i mean there's tons of bone diseases that start with osteo osteoporosis being one of the most famous um of those diseases osteopenia um but his bones uh, shattered. osteogenesis imperfecta that's it yep and um, you know, there's so many great scenes where he, he gets hurt. It's it's a traumatic scene the way he screams. Um, his the the part where he's really depressed and he's at the comic book shop and he just is sitting there, and the guy tries to wheel him out and he like turns the wheel into the rack just to mess with the guy. Like there's so many great moments in that movie. It's such a strong performance. Um, and honestly, Bruce Willis both M Night Shyamalan wrote this quiet movie that's essentially a superhero film that you don't know is a superhero film until the end and it's it's so amazing i i was so blown away by it i still love it to this day um split only gives me more hope for maybe a second unbreakable where i'm i'm hoping it's uh silence of the lambs-esque where we see mr glass in prison and david comes to talk to him about how to deal with this new threat um you know where he kind of guides him Ooh. um i would and then he gets it. in the backpack and rides on his and back. then he rides around yes as he trains uh because he's his bones are all shattered so he can't you know he needs transportation um but <laughs> that is uh that's why it's my number two and so mike it is also your number two it is it's what i would consider his pace the resistance um it, it, his antagonist elijah price mr glass again going that's what i went with it's he is so monstrous and he's got this path of destruction behind him that you don't realize until you go through, you know, the whole film and start piecing it together because you just don't put it together. You figure, okay, he, he's looking for a kindred spirit, but that's not what he's doing. And even in the in the weeks leading up to Split, um, my kids and I watched Unbreakable. Not, we kind of pieced it together. Um, you know what I mean? We watched it, but not all in one sitting. Mm. We are actually in the middle of Signs. We, we had a whole M. Night Shyamalan, um, Shyamalan, 
Um, you know, uh, festival, we did the sixth sense and my daughter came in on part of it and she's kind of, Oh, this is creepy. I said, I know. And so she kind of, when, when she kind of ducks in and that's, that's, that's cool to me because John's my movie buddy. He will pretty much watch almost anything, um, that I put on. I, for example, I accidentally, uh, I saw, Oh, you don't mess with the Zohan was on. And I forgot about some parts <laughs> and I'm like, oh! And we all kind of like, well, time to change the channel because um, I'm not quite ready for that. But at least, you know, because she got to see the, the foot uppercuts because oh, yeah. that's just one of my favorite that's parts. That's so funny. Of... Anyway, um, but we were able to share. Uh, John and I were um, really dove into this and Unbreakable just – and I've watched it twice at least in the last few weeks because it's just, like you said, amazing. I, I can't think of enough words – because his track record is hit or uh, it's either really amazing or not and yeah. unbreakable was just how do you follow that up how do you make a second film that's even better than the amazing one he made you know first made um and i think even better because i i'm look, watching the sixth sense again i'm like ah it's okay yeah uh, but at the time, well, you know, because I shared that story where I figured it out within 20 minutes and ruined it for my wife. <laughs> uh, I would have been so disappointed if I knew what was happening from yeah, the get-go with that. Big time. That movie is uh, make or break, made or broken um, by that twist. Uh, it seemed so obvious to me, and I'm like, yeah, he's, you know, he's dead. It just seemed to me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, at the time it didn't for me. I mean, I can see same. it. Once I've seen it, it's very easy to spot, but good eye on that one. But yeah, I, I still agree. I've actually always felt Unbreakable was my favorite Shyamalan film. Um, and uh, it's because of both Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson. They're both fantastic. And to give credit, the kid's really good in that movie too. Um, not like an amazing performance, but he, he does what he needs to do to, ma to make the part work. <gasps> Um, and I forgot about the part where that kid pulls the gun on his dad. Oh, my oh. God. That scene like, is so tense. Yeah, mm -hmm. there were just things like that that I didn't remember going in and watching it again. So I think that kid was pretty good. I feel like M. Night Shyamalan has a pretty, is pretty good at that with, like, picking strong kid actors yeah. for his films. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't like Signs. Um, I, it wasn't my favorite. I, I mean... <laughs> That that's the first one that I wasn't a big fan of. Um, I'm very much like the village. Um, mm -hmm, I did like it, although I in watching it recently, I didn't like it as much as I remembered liking it. Not the story I like. I didn't feel like the cast was that great. Um, mainly, to be fair, mainly Bryce Dallas Howard. I didn't think she's that great. Um, yeah, <gasps> she, I love. I like her. Uh, I, when was the last time you she's watched? She's the reason. The reason I watched Lady in the Water again. Yeah. I didn't like Lady in the Water. Nope. I feel like I need to rewatch it, but I, I also I did not give it a hundred percent of my attention when I watched it. It was at like a Thanksgiving or Christmas event, um, but I was trying to watch it and I just it did not pull me in. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's there's just like a I don't know. There's just something about her in, in this movie that did, I don't know if it's after Jurassic World if maybe I've soured on her a little or something. But um, not that she was bad in Jurassic World. I liked her in Jurassic World despite the high heels and the running from the T Rex. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. Um, all right. Well, that's it's funny that all of us picked the same movie. I'm now wondering if our number ones are going to sync <laughs> up, uh, given that there is a glaring title that none of us have mentioned so far. Let's see. Uh, Corey, what is your number one? Oh, 
God, I feel like we should just go one, two, three, and I'll say it at the same time. Um, Let's okay. clear the phone lines. It's <laughs> Jules. Jules Winfield in Pulp Fiction. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mr. Mr. Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I didn't know until recently, um, today or yesterday, that he actually does have a stutter in real life. Does he? Oh, I didn't. I, yes. I didn't know that either. Um, I did not know that. And also, he was a pretty, um, he was a pretty dominant figure in the civil rights movement. I'm pretty sure I read that he had a second degree felony for holding members of his college board. Oh, not captive, but hostage, not even really hostage, but yeah, just some interesting Sam L. Jackson. Did he ask one of them to say what again? And then they did say what and shot them. (laughs) (laughs) He wanted some of the, um, he wanted some of the, some things to be changed at his school. He didn't agree with, and it was during civil rights movement so they wouldn't just, let him have a bite of their big kahuna burger <laughs> okay even right now oh my gosh that right, is a tasty uh, burger i would shoot someone for it i think <laughs> no 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 not really i would shoot you know um, i saw an article recently where they tell you how to make the big kahuna burger so i'll share that with you guys um a real burger place i want it to be a real burger place but um so wasn't this character written just for him <sighs> For, you with him think? in mind. I can't. I'm as much as I love sure Tarantino, I don't the Tarantino know. wrote this. Now, you know who I know for sure? Uh, well, the part that was definitely written for two of them uh, Reservoir Dogs and The Wolf. Oh, I'm probably and this lying. This one, uh, uh, Harvey Keitel was just a huge. Uh, he, he's one of Tarantino's heroes, and and he helped get um, Reservoir Dogs produced. So obviously, that's going to be huge on you know Tarantino's mind. But I know for sure he wrote those parts for Keitel. I don't know whether, honestly, who else could play Jules Winfield? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he did. Um, but I'm pretty sure that this was the first Quentin Tarantino movie that I saw. Um, it's Let's see. Okay, I would have been 21 because I saw it in the theater. How old were you all? I... We're not talking about that because I lie about my age every day. I'm 24. Oh, I... I... Oh. Don't lie about my age. I believe when I saw it, I did not see it in the theater. Um, it came out in 94, so I probably was 13 when it came out on Oh, VHS. my gosh. Um, uh, I think my wife and I, I know my wife and I were dating, and she got dragged to so many films, poor lady. This one was not one that she wanted to. She got dragged to this, Natural Born Killers. Um, I forget, uh, the, the one she drew the line at, literally, because it was, uh, so I say it's funny to me, uh, The Thin Red Line. Oh. Terrence Malick, I think it was. She, she was like, mm-mm, nope. I don't think I've seen any Terrence Malick film, and that is a huge gaping hole in my uh, my films. So I'm trying to get to those. Um, but let's focus on Pulp Fiction for just a minute, okay. Corey. What? Why? Okay. Why Jules number one? Um, I love him in this um, role. I am not a huge fan of John Travolta, but I like them a lot together. Um, oh my gosh! And I'm just thinking about everyone else's. I'm just thinking about how much I love everybody in this movie. Um, oh, Uma Thurman. Yep. Um, oh my gosh. The I can't. Christopher Walken uh, cameo with the uh, the watch in his butt. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, the movie's full of great elements. And so, little man, I give this watch oh. to you. But literally, I own two Samuel L. Jackson jewels 
inspired t-shirts one that is a pokemon parody where it looks like <laughs> a pokemon fight sequence and you're playing uh brett and brett has three options he can say what marcellus wallace looks like he can say what again and um i forgot the third thing uh that he has an option and there's jules that he's fighting and it has it says jules in his health bar and then i have one where it looks like jules looks like the big boy mascot um and behind behind him says big kahuna burger instead of big boy burgers um and it, he's one of my favorite he's my favorite tarantino character period i love jules do you not have the wallet jimmy had the wallet forever yes i think he still does um okay if i'm not mistaken because i know that he showed it to me a while back i've never had the wallet um <laughs> oh cut that part of, of the dialogue right there um yeah <laughs> but i um really 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 love uh this this character like i love the film but jules is i think the reason why i love the film um Every scene he's in, I am. There's so many funny moments. It's crazy, you know. Um, he is uh, the character that really finds redemption more than anybody else in the film. Um, as he learn, you know, he he has this spiritual moment and chooses to change his ways. Um, what you mean, walk the earth? Yeah, <laughs> like kung fu, which will then be in Kill Bill. Um, uh, true. Oh, nice. See, look how it um, all connects. It all pastiche. He's so pastiche. Tarantino universe. Um, but I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. The way he carries himself, the presence he has, whether he's wearing that suit, his his uniform, or that light blue T-shirt and shorts. And I had to had to zoom in because I remember the banana slugs one that that Vincent Vega had, but I couldn't make out. And it was some cat and mouse t-shirt and i know they have them on etsy and a couple other places to you know replicas of them it doesn't matter he carries himself and even and think about think about because he's just a hitman he is muscle for marcellus wallace and remember that conversation after poor um i can't remember his name he got it in the face yeah oh man Marvin, you Marvin. shot Marvin in the face, and you know they are driving in this car that is just blood-soaked, and the way he talks to Marcellus Wallace is not the way people talk to Marcellus Wallace. You know, what do you want me to do? And he, I get not that they're at the same level, but there's just you know some sort of, I don't know if there's some sort of history between them. Um, and I'm not saying that Vincent Vega doesn't have his own presence. It's different. Jules is the heavy. Yeah. Jules is, you know, he's given, I think, given the better of the throwaway lines. He's got the highlight of some uh, of the conversations between he and Vincent. I'm actually, uh, and going back to the Tarantino verse, uh, surprised that he didn't end up showing up or even referred to in other Tarantino verse films. Um, True Romance, uh, mm-hmm. um, that's Alabama. And I know there's a mention of Alabama. Isn't there a mention of Alabama in Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, um, um, Mr. Uh, White. That was someone he worked with. Mm-hmm. And Vic Vega, uh, I'm guessing is that is the confirmed. Brother Vincent Vega. Tarantino's I know confirmed that. that. Um, that they mm-hmm. are. Tarantino's confirmed that Vincent and Vic are brothers. Yeah, and there was supposed to be a, a, a film in the works, but at this point, it's too late, and both the characters are dead. And what are you gonna do? Are they gonna be zombified? <laughs> um, you know, um, it's. Uh, it, I really wish to know. That's the thing. That's the mark of either an excellent film or the way a character is put together you want to know more about him uh, what happened to him because you, you're right he's caught uh, Ringo and Honey Bunny Honey Bunny? Yeah Pumpkin. I forgot. No that's Honey Bunny uh, It's Honey Bunny 
uh, have caught him in a transitional phase because normally he would just shoot them and kill them outright, mm-hmm. you know, and they caught, you know, and even uh, even Vincent's like, what are you doing? He's, you know, because he's given him all this money because he's had this moment of clarity, this moment where they both should have been dead. And somehow um, Alexis Arquette doesn't hit them mm-hmm. with this huge hand cannon. Yeah. And it's it gets to him. They should have died. There, there should have been no reason they didn't, you know. And then going back again to that, if if the Pop-Tart hadn't popped, would Vincent Vega have still been alive? Because if I recall, that Pop-Tart pops out of the toaster and that, that's when, when Butch shoots Vincent. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if I'd have to rewatch it, well, but I'm pretty sure. And I didn't notice it originally, but I'm pretty sure that's how it, it happens. If, but remember, if, if Jules doesn't quit, Vincent's not alone at Butch's house. You know, Jules is there with him. And, so, and he would have had someone to look out and Butch would have been dead. Yep. And so his walking away, maybe the, re- the reason Vincent doesn't make it, you know, that he's killed. Um, and it also shows us that he did walk away. The fact that he's not there with Vincent mm. seems to imply that he That's has right. left. That so, he was done at that point. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, um, now, if you've never seen Pulp Fiction, and we've spoiled a lot of it, but it is a nonlinear, very, very, very nonlinear film as it begins at the middle. It goes backwards to the beginning. Um, it jumps to the end and then ends at the middle again, a little further past. Um, so it is confusing if you've never – if you don't pay full attention to it. But Well, and the other part, too, if that if, – if it weren't for that, let's say Butch and killed – then it goes back to Marcellus Wallace, right? Yep. Because that's right before he runs into yeah, him. That's before they run into each other. Yep. Each other. Yeah. So that whole it's oh, wow, I never pieced it together. Which is a reference and, to Psycho, by the way, the um how they see each other on the road. Um at the beginning of the film Psycho, she sees her boss when she's on the run with the money and he stops and looks at her, kind of like oh, questioning. Shoot. And so that's where Tarantino mimics that that sequence where Marcellus looks at him, cut to, cut to. So pastiche. Very into the pastiche. So pastiche. Not that it's not. See, that's the other part. Again, someone could say that's so derivative, but man. Yeah. He makes it his own. I wish. I wish I had that talent. And Jordan Peele, actually, um, on the episode of Nerdist that he was on last week, um, said that when he went to – it's a really good episode. um, When he went to make Get Out, he decided to go the Tarantino route and pull from his influences rather than try to hide from them, you know, or act like Mm -hmm. he's – Stepford Wives and – Stepford Wives being the obvious plot point. Rosemary's Baby. And also a plot point. But um, even visually, like, there's a sequence that looks like it's out of Halloween. Yeah. not not like the iconic like stabbing sequences, but like the city, the town, like the way the shots are during that those moments. The Haddonfield parts. Yeah, uh, it looks any town USA. Yeah, and that's how the film opens. Um, so it's it's you know he, I like that he cited the Tarantino elements, and again, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, Get Out, three weeks into its theater run is at 99%. Um, it was at 100%. In my understanding, only one film critic has given it a negative review. Uh, Who is that film critic? I think Anthony White is his name. It's it's something white. Um, and he's, <gasps> Why's it got to be white? Yeah, ironically, and he also accuses the film of being racist in his review. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, super ironic. And then um, he's also a known contrarian critic. He often goes against the flow. Um, so all these other critics are liking it, so he's going <sighs> to... It sucks. Um, I'm afraid to see this movie because everyone loves it. Uh, I, I cannot see you not liking this movie, Corey. I, I genuinely... Unless you okay. do it to be a contrarian. Like, if, if you go in... But I don't! I know, and that's what I'm saying. It, it is 
is so well made, um, so perfectly executed. And uh, like we walked out today with my friends and we were talking and one one of the, my friends who is kind of a contrarian at times um, was like, well, I liked how it ended, but I, I didn't like this, this, this. And I started pointing out like why those things work and why not that he was wrong, but why he needs to reconsider what those things meant. And there's, it's just, it's so well written and structured. Um, yeah, just, I cannot stress enough to go see Get Out. But before we get off on any other tangents, um, Jules are apparently all three of our favorite Samuel Jackson performances. Um, I don't think Kong Skull Island will topple Jules. Uh, I'm not sure, of course, but I, I would be very surprised if Sam Jackson can ever top Jules. Jules has so many great lines, so many memorable moments, even his look. Um, the, Again, the, the many the, looks of hair. Yeah, the hairstyles. Uh, the worst being Django Unchained. Um, the hairstyle for Django Boy. Sam Jackson looks his age. Um, on that note, though, let's go through honorable mentions. Corey, is there anything you want to uh, throw on honorable mention? No. Oh. What? I know I'm fired. I have a few. Um, my number one, uh, it's hard to narrow down, but Nick Fury um, from the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. But particularly if I was going to pick a film where that character gets to shine, it's Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, that's where we get to see him in action, actually. And I, I really felt like that's where Nick Fury got to look pretty awesome. Um, I have We have already mentioned Jurassic Park and Do the Right Thing and The Incredibles. But a film that most people probably have not seen is called Fresh from 1994. Ooh, yeah. It is a yeah, really a great low, movie. Yeah. Um, I I had came across this film um, through, I think, Leonard Maltin, um, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember for sure if that was the podcast that this movie crossed my path with. Um, but it's about chess, ultimately, but it's not, but it is. And Sam Jackson has a small part, but he plays this character, Sam, and he was just really great in the movie. I really liked it a lot. And then I got to say, the prequels suck. And if I only have to say what prequels I'm talking about, everyone who's a Star Wars fan knows immediately oh, yeah. that I'm talking about the prequels of Star Wars. And while they're they're collectively bad, there are a few shining spots. Darth Maul being one of them. I really like Darth Maul. Um, but I also loved Mace Windu. I thought Mace Windu was a cool character. I love that Sam Jackson. The story is that he demanded his lightsaber be purple. Um, no exceptions. He wouldn't do the movie if it was not a purple lightsaber. And that's pretty great because that is now a commonly seen lightsaber in the extended universe. Um, but it was first seen as Mace Windu's lightsaber. And um, he's, again, one of the, the highlights of the trilogy from the prequels. So... It's a great performance. I love seeing Sam Jackson. And again, because he's a Jedi, he's much more calm and passive than he is in a lot of other things. And um, the character Mace Windu, from my understanding in the extended you, uh, is pretty pretty epic. Um, he's got quite a story behind him. So um, those are my honorable mentions, Mike. Uh, we already talked about Jackie Brown. Um, a Time to Kill. Yes, I'm glad. Uh, I, I meant to bring that up. Um, that's just such a tough role. Um, and just that's just uh, anyway it's, I remember seeing that in the theater and I wasn't even a father then and it's just mm -hmm. whew, yep uh, it's funny because our common friend Jimmy just commented um, and it didn't I wanted to make it on my top five but Deep Blue Sea ah. just had that conversation he and did. just not what you expect and he's got this moment where he's rallying the troops and then he's eaten Bye, which sure. is awesome um, I had episode three Revenge of the Sith specifically even though Mace Windu dies and goes out 
Oh, well, no, because there are people thinking that he could have survived that fall. See, I went um, I went Attack of the Clones with the one that I was specifically referencing, but good call. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not sure why I put – I put True Romance, but I don't know that that's right, so I'm not going to skip that over. He's in it, um, but I don't remember him in it, to be honest. Like, Yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm not going to – I'm going to cross that one out. So there we are. All right. Um, I I the, when I watched Goodfellas for the first time and um, I yeah. noticed him, I was like, "Oh my god, is that Sam Jackson?" Because he's super young in Goodfellas, um, which he isn't apparently because he's sixty eight, which means he was already in his thirties uh, in in the in the eighties or the I'm sorry, I think Goodfellas nineteen ninety on the dot, but still, um, he looked a lot younger to me in that movie than he does in his other films. So um, that is our top five list this week, uh, the first time ever um, that we had so many in common number one and number two are all the same Corey and i went three two one identical which has never happened before so it's pretty crazy um but again the 172 movies to pull from so it's not like it was a small pool uh we didn't do like when we did top five seth rogan movies i don't think we had that much overlap but <laughs> um no. here you go uh and, and Corey's the winner she got the two she thought two she did. would be ones yep. that you didn't see of mine Good call, Corey. Um, with that, uh, that is our episode, folks. Um, real quick, we're going to plug our other podcast, Burke Reviews Movie Club. This past week, we did uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, um, directed by Macon Blair, who starred in Blue Ruin and Green Room. Um, it is his uh, first directorial film. It is available to watch on Netflix, and our podcast is available to stream. So we would love for you to watch it and um, listen. And then next week's episode of Movie Club, uh, we are watching District 9. So if you'd like to send us your thoughts about the um, the film, we would read them on the podcast uh, when we record. Um, we'll be back next week with a new top five list. Um, I won't tell you what it is because that's not what we do for this podcast. But um, we'll be back in a week with more of our top five. Until then, guys, thank you uh, very much. Um, you can reach thank out you. to us on Twitter. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey is at Corey R Star. Two R's on the end. And Mike, I'm at Server Monkey on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere I could have possibly gotten that username on. Yep, we'd love to uh, hear your top five Samuel L. Jackson movies. So until next time, um, have a good night. Bye. Bye. Peace.